You're listening to the Behind the Tee podcast hosted by your favorite club curlers, Rob and Kelly. The show where we share our thoughts on what's happening in the curling world with the internet. But let's be real, we end up talking about football half the time anyways. Hello, Rob. Hey, Kelly. How are you? Good. How are you? Not too bad. We've worked out the kinks. This is going to be way better than last week. We're <laughs> pros at this again, right? Yeah. I was. I noticed while editing last week's episode that we got a little rusty over the summer. So I hope that this week won't be as painful to edit as, <laughs> as, as last week. If you're new to this, Kelly does all the work behind this. So if we sound half decent, it's because of uh, because of her. The magic of editing is a powerful thing. <laughs> It takes a lot of editing to make us sound like we know what we're talking about. <laughs> and even then, it's a little bit of a stretch. <laughs> That's right. Hey, so uh, we, but we did cover some ground last week. We talked about uh, controversial rule changes being proposed and things like that. But I think the highlight that we've got to open up to the audience here is our idea, by which I really mean yours, to make a Netflix series for curling. Mm-hmm. And the more I thought about it, I was like, yeah, that's one of the better ideas I've heard of, of promoting the sport and of course we're basing this off the formula one show right the drive Drive to survive survive. and how we're going to rip it off and create slide to survive Mm -hmm. uh with all these behind the scenes glamorous or i shouldn't say glamorous glamorous and curling don't really go in the same sentence uh but all these behind behind the scenes footage and things and drama right that's what we're going for yeah that's the key is you want to get people uh, interested you need you need drama people just can't help themselves that's why reality TV is so popular is exactly. because people love watching people be dramatic. That's right. And you won't get it much from us. But <laughs> um, but when it comes to that, I was thinking we, we both know. And in fact, everyone out there knows there is lots of drama in the curling world. Mm-hmm. But it's usually pretty swept under the rug, right? So I don't know how it would play out if people would be willing to air their curling drama in a Netflix special. However, I found somebody who I think we should interview first if he gets landed on the show. And granted, we're 10 years late to the party here, uh, but I'm thinking Randy Furby. uh, Oh, first appearance of the year on the podcast for Randy Furby. He somehow came up every day last year, right? Yeah. But he should be involved because um, in doing some very brief research for this episode, I stumbled across an old uh, feud he had with another curler that was... (laughs) Lots of drama, let's just say. And Uh while I would normally respect the privacy of the curlers involved, we're maybe suggesting we shouldn't do that anymore. But also, this was in a national newspaper, so it's all out there anyway. I think the rule of thumb is if it's been published, then it's fair game to talk about to a certain extent. Exactly. I'd rather talking to uh, the National Post or whatever this article is from 2011 Think of like Netflix cameras and special lighting and dramatic mm-hmm. music playing in the background. As Randy Furby says, uh, let me find his quote here. Uh, this is when he uh, teamed up with Brad Gushu a while ago. Ryan Fry was part of that team. And, uh, Randy a while Furby ago, and, this was over a decade ago. Oh, I know. Yeah. And uh, like I said, we're very late here. Uh, to be fair, there was no social media back then. Like even Facebook was just starting to... Really? Yeah, 2011. 2011? Uh, yeah, I, don't I didn't even have a smartphone back then. Oh, boy. Yeah. Um, okay, yeah, I guess so. Uh, yeah, actually, you're right, because it says that there were angry emails exchanged. <laughs> <laughs> 
So uh, just to find the quote in this article. So anyways, Randy Furby and Ryan Fry, safe to say, uh, they did not exactly hit it off on this team. And uh, it was Ryan Fry who got things fired up early Thursday, sometime in 2011. Fresh off reading reports out of High River describing Furby's feelings for his former teammates, Fry poured his anger into an email sent to two Alberta newspapers saying that Randy Furby should, quote, retire and that curling has passed him by and <laughs> I can see the storyline on the show right because then you can have Randy Furby and explain his side of the story and then Fry telling his side and then you can just mm-hmm. be like up to the audience to decide who is in the right or in the wrong absolutely has Randy really expired in the curling competitive world <laughs> just I'll read you Randy's reply um yeah So his quote is, a little young puke like him is going to push me into retirement? Yeah, whatever. (laughs) See, this would be perfect for TV. It's amazing. (laughs) See, this is, like, it's not, this is petty drama, right? And this is what we're here for, just, like, the pettiness. Oh, it's amazing. Too bad Netflix didn't exist back then. No, but it does now. And I'm sure, like... We're going to be selling this all season. Exactly. We'll find other things. Um, and we know that this is this is just one public example that we found. We know there are people that feel this way about their teammates and ex-teammates all across the country. Mm-hmm. And we want to hear about it. So, <laughs> yeah, you know, I was actually thinking about it, too. Uh, another reason to have this Netflix special for curling or another way it would be beneficial to the world is it would be great. Uh, it would be a great promotional tool for tourism in Canada, especially since you know a lot of these tournaments are happening in very remote, or remote. I don't know how you want to say, it, but like thriving re- metropolises like Moose Jaw or Lethbridge, cities or large towns that are off the beaten path that some people may not know. It would be um, a great way to like promote these towns because Canada is not all about Toronto, Montreal, and Vancouver. There's other great cities in our huge country. That's very diplomatic of you, Kelly. I thought you were going to take a jump (laughs) on some of these cities. Like being from Montreal, we can like uh, say all these things we want about other places. But no, you're right. The Canadiana of it would be something to play up. Uh Or maybe you can get uh, the player's perspective on some of these places. You know, they're like, oh, playing in um, Prince Albert again this third time this year you know (laughs) get the real feelings on certain parts of Canada because as you know like we're a very large country and the Maritimes is not like the prairies and it's not like Toronto so Mm -hmm. anyways I'm just saying it could be very good for the Canadian tourism board to get involved in this as well I think the more people we get on board with this special the more likely it will happen I agree. And we're going to benefit from this because it was already. <laughs> That's right. We're going to make money. Exactly. That's what we care about. Yeah. And then we can just uh, retire from our jobs and do podcasting full time. There and we go. And come to you with more thrilling, amazing content. Living the dream. I forget who it was, but I remember reading the media guide of the Briar and Tournament of Hearts because they um, they publish all the the occupations of the players and one of them was a full-time podcaster we really should know who it is i mean that's me dropping the ball once again but i was like yeah that would be awesome full-time podcaster interesting mm-hmm. i'm curious to see how they're able to monetize their podcast don't listen to the kevin martin podcast listen to us <laughs> 
I've been seeing a lot of ads for that, by the way, because um, on just a completely different note, there was curling on TV this weekend. There was. There was a slam, right? There was a grand slam. I watched um, all of a couple of ends of it, so I'm not really up to date on it. And we're going to go off script here, Kelly, if that's okay, because yep. I have to know your opinion on this. We okay. talked about rule changes last week um, The that are controversial being proposed, the no tick zone kind of thing. Well, I, I got to know what you think about this. For this grand slam, they played traditional regular curling five rock rule no gimmicks except there was a no tick zone in the eighth end only what <laughs> yes i was waiting for your reaction what do you think why <laughs> i don't know i didn't watch enough to to talk about it but uh oh, yeah so stupid i i i kind of agree i I either like the rule or I don't. I don't like having it on half the time or yeah, an eighth of the time, but exactly. it's weird. It's like implement the rule throughout the game or just don't have it at all. Yeah, it um, reminds me of the power play business, which yeah. you and I felt last year was a little bit weird, I mean, to get into, but this was really weird to me. Yeah, I'm still not fully sold on the power play in mixed doubles in general. I am I mean, I don't hate it. I can accept it, but I'm not a fan, I think. The game was fine without it. Yeah, yeah, exactly. And I think the game is okay without the tick zone thing. But And I'm, I could maybe learn to like it, but half in, half out. I really don't like the tick, um, the no tick rule. And here's another thing. It's like, I get why they want to implement that rule. But let's say, you know, the first rock is put on the center line. And the other the other team calls a, a come around a come around draw, but then the thrower is tight and they end up hitting the center rock, pushing it off the center line. But then that just means their rock is just automatically taken out and the the center line rock is put back. So I don't know. It's not advantageous for the other team. Like it's it's not like they were intending to take the shot. It just happened that way, right? And then you just lose a shot because of it. I suppose. I, I, I'm sorry to tell you this. When you started describing shots, I, I was <laughs> I like, oh you. boy, I haven't curled much. Like, I'm so bad at that. When people tell me the great shots they made and they say there was a rock in the eight foot, there was a rock in the 12 foot, and I came around the corner guard and I'm just like, I don't know what you're talking about, man. You need a more But no, uh, I, did, visual, I do get your Right? Yeah, because yeah, I get like they... They're enforcing this rule because they want to, people have gotten so good at the tick shot and then it just kind of like the end just kind of gets boring after that, especially mm -hmm. with the, uh, when a team has a, a very high lead. But yeah, for those instances where the rock just hits the center, like the, the guard, then it's not beneficial in that sense. I don't know. Stay tuned for our continued opinions on this because uh, I don't know. I think it's hard to comment now just because right. when I was watching, it's the first time I've seen curling in months. We have not played in a year and a half. Uh, the strategy is a bit beyond me at this point. Yeah, I guess I have to. we have to see it being played out a exactly. couple times and just see the outcome and uh, reevaluate then. But just to say my initial thoughts is just I'm not a fan of it in general. And then even less of a fan of it only being applied in the eighth end. Mm -hmm. Like what if, what if the game only goes seven ends? That's, that's true. Right. Um, I don't know. I just, no, stop. I just stop trying to make curling gimmicky. Just stop it. <laughs> like if baseball can be the most viewed sport on TV, 
while also being the most boring sport to watch. Oh, here we go again. Game to watch on TV. It's not gimmicks that's going to bring people in. It's a Netflix special. I agree. And oh, you know what? I I was thinking about that because um, I was channel surfing the other day um, on my cable TV, another Mm -hmm. recurring theme. It's not even like you've brought up with this Formula One thing. Um, It's not about the sport. It's about how good a production it is. Yep. And I was, I stumbled, yeah, exactly. I stumbled across this. I don't know if you've heard of these 30 for 30 documentaries on that TSN shows every now and then. Yep. Um, So yeah, documentaries uh, on different sports topics. And there was one, I don't know, on the 1986 New York Mets. Fascinating story. Kelly is really intrigued right right now. (laughs) But this would be an interesting social experiment because I happen to know you are not interested in baseball at all. I am, but I don't care about I, don't, I wasn't going to watch this, but I sat down and watched it for a good half hour because of the production, because of the dramatic music, because they're taking something that's really not much of a story, but giving it the Hollywood treatment and yeah. it reels people in. Uh, same thing with, um, now this is maybe a couple years, this came out in maybe 2019, um, The Last Dance, the Michael Jordan documentary mm-hmm. on Netflix too. I'm not a big basketball pl- fan. I'm, I'm just not a basketball fan at all. Um, <laughs> and like I knew of Michael Jordan, but I didn't really know know Michael Jordan. Um, but that docuseries was like, what, six episodes or so? And I watched it and I was super, um, I thought it was super engaging and it was really interesting. And I learned about basketball a little more. Still don't watch basketball, but I was still, it was a way to get a non- basketball fan watching basketball for me it was space jam that did that but <laughs> probably our 90s kids listening that's out right there. i still haven't seen the sequel i'm too afraid to be disappointed you have to go in with zero expectations set your expectations very very low and then you'll just appreciate it a lot more i think that's the plan but so speaking of cable though uh just want to throw this out there so as i was uploading our first episode of the season uh the program we used to host our podcast open a couple new features and one of them is a poll so if you're listening on spotify maybe we should try to do this is just have a poll every now and then and just to you know get the listeners oh for sure so for this week uh the question was do you think that curling should have a netflix special and two answers yes or no, because you only watch cable. Which I pointed out, I technically have to answer yes to both of those. But So something we're trying now. So yeah, if you're listening on Spotify, go uh, go check those polls out. And if you're listening on YouTube, if I can remember the YouTube password that we have to upload this, like it and comment in the... the oh boy. No, you gotta I'm not s- much of a YouTuber. <laughs> you got to smash that like button okay. and click Smash subscribe. the comment section and like the, the... I don't know. What Kelly said. Let us know in the comments. You get the idea. Um, so I guess let's dig into this episode. So tomorrow, the day after we're recording this, so on October 25th, would be the start of the 2021 Home Hardware Pre-Trials. That's right. Which is a tournament. <laughs> <laughs> and this kind of gets into the theme of this episode is we're going to try and break down and explain in a very... Um, clear and concise manner how the whole trials pre-trials thing works because as I was doing my research I was getting lost very easily this is I think by the way um, we started our season a little bit later than we did last year and I 
we haven't talked about this, Kelly, but I think you'll agree with me. I think we took one look at the format for the pre-pre-trials back in August, September, whenever it was, and I think we both said, the hell with this. Let's just wait till <laughs> it's more straightforward before we start. Yeah, exactly. So traditionally, how Canada picked their curling representative is there was an Olympic trial where they invited, what, like 10 or 11 teams, mm-hmm. round robin, all that jazz, and the winner for the men's and the women's would be our Olympic representatives. And there are different ways to be invited to this tournament, either by winning uh, the Briar Scotties. Uh, having a getting, bunch of points. Having a bunch of points on the CTRS. Can you, I don't even remember what it's. I don't know what that it acronym for. is. You know what we mean. Yeah. And then the Canada Cup. They had a couple extra slots available, and those teams were the winners of the pre-trials. And in order to get to the pre-trials, again, you either had to win like other tournaments or it was based off your CTRS points. But this year, it's a little funky because of 2020 season. Something happened in 2020. I don't remember what, but... <laughs> in order to not be demonetized. <laughs> uh, but you know what we're talking about. There was no Canada Cup. Um, basically, it just threw a wrench in the whole plan. So there were a few more spots available. So this is my understanding. Back at the end of September, there was the Canadian Curling Trials direct entry. Mm-hmm. And from that tournament... A couple teams got a spot into the curling trials, which are going to happen in November. But then some teams also got a berth into the home hardwood pre-trials, which are happening this coming week, to then win to go to the curling trials. Right. Were you following me there? Does that make sense? I think so, yes. There's just a lot of ways to get into the curling trials, is all I have to say. So um, I guess we can go into just run through the teams that are have already qualified and then maybe... For the pre-trials, right? No, for the trials. Oh, for the Olympic trials. Okay, go yeah. for it. I have the pre-trials open, so you can okay. cover the trials. So for the trials, honestly, no surprises there. It's really the top teams in Canada. So for the men's, we have Epping, Gushu, Botcher, Kui, Jacobs. And then for the women, we have... Homan, Einerson, Flurry, and Jones. Really, plus like, a couple more, right? The other ones right, are okay. the winners of the pre-trial direct entry tournament. So, from the men's, we have McEwen and your favorite team, Dunstone. And then for the <laughs> women's, we have uh, Rock, Scheidegger, and Walker. Okay, which I I'm glad you mentioned that because I was thinking about it. If if uh, from what I remember from last season, which is not very much, but Mike McEwen had a miserable briar. He didn't even make the championship pool. Yeah. And they've not been spieling particularly well. Scheidegger, I don't think we've was not in the bubble. I don't think we've heard of her since at least 2019. Even Rock, we weren't, uh, haven't seen much of her. She's been on the slam. Right. But with everything missing last year, I was like, so where did these teams get their points? They didn't. They won the pre pre trial direct entry business. Mm hmm. Mm-hmm. Is the idea. Okay. But even then, the, but still, in order to get invited to the pre trial direct entry, you still had to accumulate a certain number of points or win. Um, they essentially had to win their way there. You know, Curling Canada wasn't just sending invitations to whoever mm-hmm. they wanted. Um, so they they do deserve to, to to be there. Oh right, yeah. But I think that's what's kind of cool with the Olympic trials is that every once in a while, or every time, you do see a couple teams or a couple names that you don't really know or you don't often see at the Scotties or the Briar because they're coming out of provinces like Manitoba or Alberta that are very very difficult to come out of. So 
Exactly. Uh, this is kind of their shot to to represent Canada and have their 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 shot at it. So mm-hmm. it's interesting, and that's why we also end up with some random teams that, or I don't want to say random, but you know, I remember that year that Cly- uh, Shannon Clyburn won. I was like, who is this? <laughs> <laughs> well, we were a lot younger then. I we think were. she was. I think she was known. I think. Yeah, but she wasn't. Uh, you know, she wasn't a Jones. She wasn't uh, like we hadn't seen. I hadn't seen her at a Scotties for a while. That's, yeah, I think also back then um, there was a, a lot more parody, and mm-hmm. the trials was a bit more of a crapshoot of really it could be any one of these ten teams or however many yeah. there were. Whereas now, I mean, I suppose it it still can be just because the by the time we get down to the final eight or nine or whatever it is, there'll be some really really good ones. But I don't know, there's always like one or two names that seem to separate themselves from the pack, right? You never know because those names maybe they'll get on a hot streak and end up winning. You never know, which is great. That's why and it's that's fun. How, yeah, and that's how the Canadian system is. I feel like if they win, you should go. But now um, that you have this small group of elite teams that have the experience of playing internationally and in those big championships, I, I can see how people aren't as confident with sending an inexperienced team to the Olympics. Mm-hmm. And not to say that they're bad players, but it's just you don't have the, the the experience that some of these other teams have. But that's how it is. That's our system, and gotta live with I it. I like it. <laughs> I like it it's too. Easy for me to say, but <laughs> I would still pick this over curling Canada selecting a team. Oh God, yeah, definitely not. I yeah. would hate that. Yeah. All right. So the pre-trials are starting tomorrow. Mm-hmm. And all of the teams have uh, been announced. So I guess we can quickly go through them. Yeah, actually, maybe... I have to say this too. Um, so I was yeah. looking at this. I'm excited because uh, these pre-trials are in Liverpool, Nova Scotia, which is, uh, as Kelly's wondering, what the heck I'm talking about? As a Beatles enthusiast, I'm, no, mm-hmm. I'm just, bad joke, sorry. But I've actually been there. Really? They, How yes. was it? Describe it to us because I have not. <laughs> It's yes, yeah, so it's about I don't know an hour south of Halifax, and the reason I was there was um, when I was at the Canadian Juniors. They were that's the it's the same arena that's hosting this. Mm-hmm. So I've been there, and the reason I was thinking about it was because we've been on the road many a time in our curling career, staying at kind of not that nice hotels. Well, yeah. this is the place to curl because they put us up in cabins by the ocean, mm. and. This is the best part. I was I was a coach, so um, most I think the teams all had to share a, a cabin. I had a whole cabin to myself. Nice. If you were staying at a hotel, every team would have two hotel rooms for the team, and then the coach would have their own room. Oh I yeah, guess this if you're was in a way cabin, better. Especially because all year that year we were saving money by like, okay, all of us are going to share a hotel room. And I remember thinking, never again. It's worth the money to just have my own privacy and not have to share it with four other guys. <laughs> but um, yes, so... It's been four teenagers too. Oh, yeah. So this was... Uh, no, it's a really, really nice place. The people were wonderful. The food was wonderful. Uh, mm-hmm. The uh, So it'll be cool to see it on TV. I wonder if the players are staying in the same cabins by the ocean that we did. I doubt that there is a, a huge selection of hotels in Liverpool, so perhaps there are. Um, there were others uh, that the play. I think that a lot of the parents stayed at. I don't know. Um, 
And I probably told you this story. The only complaint I had was because we had cabins, The this was back in the day when the juniors was sponsored by M&M, so we could get all-you-can-eat frozen, frozen M&M food, stuff. Yeah. But because we were all in our separate cabins, we had to walk to the main building to get that stuff. So oh. I trudged through a blizzard to go get this frozen food, and I bring it back to my cabin, and it's minus 10. I'm freezing, covered in snow, and I realize I don't have any utensils in my cabin. <laughs> So I ate my uh, microwave macaroni and cheese with a corkscrew (laughs) because I was like, I'm not going back out there. (laughs) That's so gross. (laughs) It was either that or my fingers. So on that note, let's go through the teams. (laughs) So, Oh, and if any of the teams are listening, uh, let us know if you're in the cabins and bring utensils. I'm surprised they haven't, they wouldn't put utensils in the cabins. They probably have since then. They probably have. That was a while ago. Um, all right. Do you want to go through the women's teams first? Sure. Um, so I'm looking at, the, well, first of all, just the format of this. There are one, two, three, four, five, six. There's 14 teams yeah. uh, for men, 14 teams for women. They're in two pools of seven. Uh, they're going to play a full round robin. Um, and then, if I'm not mistaken, the top two teams in each pool are going to move on. Mm-hmm. Um, the, f- the first and second, pl- like a page playoff. Yeah. a uh, sort of, I think so. Um, not exactly. Cause what we're doing is we're trying to get two winners out of this. Yeah. So the first place team in one pool will play the second place team in another pool. Yeah. And then the, that'll produce two winners. Cause that matchup happens twice. The winner of that final matchup gets a trial spot. The losers are still alive and they get to enter another semifinal and i'm wrong the third place team lives on the third place team though has to win out so you're right it is like a page if you finish first and second you get a second life yeah uh if you're third in the pool you are still alive but you got to win out what do they do about tiebreakers i think they have tiebreakers in the schedule because i really hate the idea of a team missing on a shootout or something stupid like that Oh yeah another thing that we hate I oh, would yeah. be so upset if your shot to the trials came down to a draw to the button. And it's starting to become a thing. Like I know the World mm-hmm. Curling Federation has abolished tiebreakers. So we're seeing people miss playoffs because their yep. shootout was off by a centimeter or something like that. So I really hope not. I remember in when we were competing in juniors, that happened a couple of times where we didn't make it to Sunday because we had a tied record with some other teams, but our oh. shootout score at the start of the tournament wasn't the best. So we didn't get through to the playoffs. Kelly, and it's just the, the number of times that our team went two and one, because we all, we would do world cup style pools of uh, four and we yeah. would have to top two move on. And the number of times that we went two and one, but with a lousy shootout and found ourselves at home on Sunday, yeah. every tournament. It sucks. And I get it because you have to fit a whole tournament in a weekend, especially at that level. <laughs> but right. It's annoying. It's annoying. It is. And it's just okay, that so- much more annoying if it's for the Olymp- if the Olympics are on the line, right? Oh, yeah. Like you can't have somebody miss out because of that. Mm-hmm. Um, it'd be awful. So going back to the teams here. So there are two pools of seven. I guess we'll start with pool A. Uh, I have no idea what order these are in. I don't know if they're seated or it's not alphabetical. It's not by, I don't know what order we're going in here, but we have team Corinne Brown out of yep. BC. Uh, we've seen her at the tournament of hearts the last two years and, uh, lots of junior success there. So yep. team that's really knocking on the door. Uh, Beth Peterson is in that pool as well. 
Uh, we saw her at last year's Tournament of Hearts, and she made the championship pool, I believe. Yeah, she's also uh, freshly out of juniors. That's right, I think. Not yes. her entire <laughs> team, but she is. <laughs> uh, Justin Murphy. Never uh, heard them. From... Mississauga Golf and Country oh, Club. Oh, thank you. Okay, you can tell me where they're from. Good. Yeah. Uh, so Ontario, there's a lot of Ontario teams here. Uh, Kristen, Mc, uh, not Kristen, pardon me, Krista McCarville, mm-hmm. uh, who has proven that if you live in North Ontario, change your name to Krista. Because I yep. remember it was not her last year. It was uh, Krista Burns out of at the Tournament of Hearts. McCarville sat out the year because of COVID. Um, but they, well, we'll get to our predictions later, but spoiler alert, they're going to be one of mine. Uh, Penny Barker out of Saskatchewan, who we've seen uh, at the Tournament of Hearts before a couple of years ago. So we've also got uh, Jacqueline Harrison out of Ontario, I believe, mm-hmm. and uh, Carrie Galusha from Northwest Territory. Well deserved. Well deserved. Yeah, they've been they've been around for so long, and there's so much talk every time at the Tournament of Hearts about how hard it is to compete from the North and all of that. No and kidding. so it's good to see them there, and I hope yeah. they do well. Uh, okay, so that's Pool A. I don't know if that was in order of seeding or not. No idea. Pool B, uh, we've got the veteran of, I believe, 12 Tournament of Hearts I read earlier today, Suzanne Burt oh, okay. uh, from the island. Mackenzie Zacharias, who we saw at the Tournament of Hearts last year, um, who the year prior, uh, right before COVID, uh, was the junior representative from Canada. And did she win the Worlds? I think so. I don't know. I don't remember. Uh, yeah, everything's a blur pre-COVID. Google right? that if you're really curious. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, don't count on us. Uh, but you know who you can count on? Ke- yeah, I was about to call you Carrie. I'm still thinking of <laughs> You know who you can count on, Kelly? Who? Sherry Anderson. Legend. She is there. She's, she is uh, there. She's going to be like, um, you know, like the Howard of women's girling <laughs> just keeps playing. Never Good foreshadowing because Glenn's in this too, by the way. Uh, we've also got Holly Duncan uh, from Ontario, I believe. Darcy Robertson, um, who we have seen at a couple of Tournament of Hearts a few years ago. Um, she's from Manitoba. So in the years that Jennifer Jones was Team Canada, mm-hmm. uh, Darcy Robertson got in there a couple of times out of Manitoba. Uh, but she's here. Danielle Inglis uh, from uh, Ontario. And Jill Brothers, a familiar name out of Nova Scotia, who I believe is from Liverpool. Oh, well, like originally. Originally, yeah. Okay, because like, they're curling out of the Halifax Curling Club. Right, right but I think she was she um, was originally born there. From... I oh, remember she was the guest speaker when we were there too. Do you want to make predictions before we go to the men's side? Sure. So we have two teams that are going to be coming out of this, right? Ultimately, yeah, two two teams. And they could be from the same pool. It's possible, I believe. Right. So uh, I think like you predicted, I, I would put one vote for McCarville. Okay, I would too. And then for my, oh, the second one, it really, I think it just depends on who's going to be, I, it could be like almost anyone. Yeah. But I have to pick. But you you do have to. I Look have at Kelly to trying pick. to stall. So I'm going to go with, uh, let's go with, let's go with brothers. Okay. Yeah. I'm going to go to the same corner of the country as you. Oh, uh, sorry, say- I'm, just, I'm just saying that. I picked brothers because I feel like we need some more uh, Eastern representation in the trials because it's very <laughs> lacking right now. I like that. Uh, I'm going to go to the same corner of the country as you. Uh, I'll say McCarville first of all, and but I'm going to go with Suzanne Burt. Oh, okay. 
I'm going to note this down so we can uh, discuss next week. Right. If anybody on Team McCarvel or Bert or uh, Brothers is listening, we apologize because one of our weekly traditions is everything we say never comes true. So you can blame <laughs> us if it doesn't pan out. Yep. It's <laughs> true. Okay. Noted. So let's jump into the men's. The men's side. Okay. Once again, I don't know about the order here. Um, maybe it's by seeding. Uh, I kind of think it is. I don't know. Uh, pool C. They call it Pool C, uh, but it's really Pool A for men. Okay. So you have CD for right. men. Right. Yeah. So in this one, we've got Jason Gunlickson. Your favorite. Uh, he doesn't really throw enough weight in my opinion, but you know, <laughs> maybe he'll learn one day. Well, I mean, he has a good team like Adam Casey, Wozniak, and Connor Negovin. Mm-hmm. Is that how you pronounce and his name? I think so. And they've been uh, they've been pretty good at the last two briars. Yeah. Uh, not really coming close to winning the whole thing, but really making it interesting, uh, which is all we really care about. Yeah, they're definitely contenders. <laughs> yeah, they they can beat anybody there. Hey, this is interesting. The next team, the return of Pat Simmons. Remember him? Oh, I thought I haven't seen Pat Simmons in a long time. I haven't seen him in a while either, but he's back. He's skipping a team. And uh, if this is by seeding, he's seeded number two in this group. Wait, his third is Colton Lawn. Is that the same lot that played in the mixed doubles last year? Yes, I think so. And lost the final? I believe so. Uh, Yeah, I, I knew I knew that name from somewhere. Yeah. And I guess he's playing with his brother too, Tanner Lot at lead. Okay. Or oh. cousin, or I don't. Yeah. I, I'm sure Lot's not that a common fa- surname, but I suppose not. No. From what this is helpful, Beach. by the way. Yeah. <laughs> this is helpful, by the way, because I can only see the names of the skips. You can have the rosters because this website is just. Ugh. Uh, we've also got Tanner Horgan. Um, who's on his team? A oh, bunch of people I've never seen before. <laughs> <laughs> oh, sorry. Uh, but uh, we have, okay, so they're curling out of the Cataraqui Golf and Country Oh, Cataraqui. I've been there. Cataraqui from Kingston. Yeah, so in Kingston. Tanner Horgan at Skip with John Buke. Oh, yeah, yeah. No, I remember this team. West, this was... Uh, West Forget what? or Forge and <laughs> Scott Chadwick at least. Okay, yeah, I know this because I lived in Kingston for a little bit. Um, but uh, yeah, this was the team that made the Briar a couple of years ago out of Ontario with um, okay. Scott McDonald as their skip. Oh, yes, yes, yes. Okay. And I hope this team goes far because uh, my favorite player on this team is Wes Forger, the second, because he um, he looks like your average curler, but when he has to throw weight, he's a rock lifter. Oh. And like, I mean, a retro rock lifter. He like lifts the whole his, backswing? Like 90 degrees. Like his back arm is parallel to the ice holding oh, the rock. Jeez. I don't know how he does it. Who taught him that? I don't know. Because um, they're not that much older than we are. So oh, no. he's They're our age, yeah, if not so younger. Someone, and we definitely were not taught to do the backswing. No, I think we were taught like that we would get kicked out of the curling club if we ever did that. Yeah, so, exactly. Uh, props to him. We've also got Jeremy Hardy, who, with respect, I don't know who that is. From the Glencoe Curling Club in Calgary. Okay, um, well, but their third anybody... is Kyler Clybrink, so okay, I would yeah. assume that's maybe Clybrink's son. You know how it is. Anybody from Alberta, they can't really be good, right? And definitely Shannon Cly- <laughs> with Shannon Clybrink as our coach. I'm pretty sure that's her son. <laughs> <laughs> We're making enemies across the country today. I love it. I don't. I wouldn't call it making enemies. I would say we're. Um, 
we're de- we're developing drama for the upcoming Netflix special. There you go. Of course. There you go. <laughs> Perfectly said. <laughs> All right, let's keep going. We've got uh, Karsten Sturme, uh, who has uh, been knocking on the door in Alberta for a couple of years now. Mm-hmm. Uh, I think he got to an Alberta final recently as well. Uh, but you know how it is. If you're in the Alberta final, you're staring good down luck. Cooey or Botcher or somebody really, really good. So Yeah. Um, but probably very much deserves to be here. Uh, and then a little bit closer to home, we've got two Quebec teams in Pool C. We've got Mike Fournier, who we've seen at the Briar a couple of times, and Vincent Roberge, son of uh, legendary Quebec curler François Roberge. Yeah, I think it's the first time we've had so many Quebec representatives. Quick shout out to Vincent Roberge. He went undefeated, I believe, at the Quebec provincials back when we had provincials pre-COVID. Right. Um, he went undefeated, I believe, and then lost the final to um, Alec Bedard, that really young team. Right. It was a very young Quebec final in 2019. On that team from with Vincent Roberge, you have Jean-Michel Arsenault, and he won the Canadian juniors, actually, with the Quebec team with William Zion and, and, uh, et compagnie. That's right. Back yeah. in what, like 2010? I think it was before that. I something think, like yeah, that? we're, yeah. oh, it's, it's, it's been, been a while. while. <laughs> we've, it's been a while. Yeah. But we've played against them at some yeah, point. Yeah. No, they're definitely part of our, or he is not the rest of the team is part of our, I'd call our, our generation. Yep. They're going to the Olympics and we're sitting here <laughs> talking about it. <laughs> All right. Keep going. <laughs> Okay, so that's Pool C. Uh, and then we've got Pool D. We've got Colton Flash, who um, was, if I remember, yeah, he played with Kevin Cooey for, I think, all of a year, maybe yep. two years, and then was booted in favor of bringing back John Morris. So he's skipping his own team with, um, I think, Catlin Schneider, is that right? And yep. the Marsh Brothers? Yep, from okay. the Nutana Curling Club in Saskatoon. Every time I hear that, I think of Nutella. Me too. It's not just me. Okay, yeah, good. Yeah, no, no, no. I always find it weird. And I don't know. I just don't associate it with Saskatoon, but it's the big curling club there. So It is. And then, uh, as, as Kelly foreshadowed earlier, Glenn Howard back again. Yes, with his son at third, Scott Howard, and David Mathers at second, and Tim March as lead. So they've been playing together for quite a while. Mm-hmm. And they did well at the Briar this year. Yep. Um, if we remember, that's when, uh, so Glenn was in a, I think it was a snowmobiling accident or something, and he couldn't play. And uh, Wayne Madaw came off the bench, didn't know anything about directional sweeping or anything like that, and somehow <laughs> turned back the clock and won a whole bunch of games. <laughs> it was amazing. It was fun to watch. I hope they do it again. Unfortunately, they don't have uh, Wayne Madal listed as their alternate this Oh, really? In here, yeah. Oh, Maybe he'll on. make an appearance. I don't know, but he's not listed on the website. It's probably part of the strategy to have him just like show up and catch everybody off guard. Right, right. Glenn's been down the block before. He knows what he's doing. Okay, <laughs> so we've also got Braden Calvert, who has been very successful on the junior stage out of Manitoba. In fact, he won the junior nationals the year they were in Liverpool when I was there. Oh. Okay. So uh, he'll be familiar with everything there. It's been very kind to him. Tyler Tardy as well, also de- very well decorated in the junior uh, side of things out of BC. Then we've got Pat Ferris, who um, I don't know where he's from or who he is. Uh, this from, is where you bail me out, Kelly. <laughs> he's from the Grimsby Curling Club in Ontario. 
I don't even okay. know where that is. Hold on, let me let me just Google. Yeah, map that's this. a little geography lesson here. Yeah, for a Grinsby Curling Club, it's uh, just south of the from Lake Ontario between Hamilton and Saint Catharines. Okay, so so the GTA. The the or no, like, <laughs> yeah, really out there. Is that just me? Like, I just think of everything from Toronto all the way to Windsor as Toronto. GTA, yeah. <laughs> well, that's what I think a lot of people think. Just mm-hmm. all of Ontario is Toronto. <laughs> yep. Not that I uh, agree with that statement, but it's no, just but the reality. <laughs> we just, we're dishing out insults across the country here. We got to get our Ontario shots in. Exactly. So. Okay, back to uh, Atlantic Canada for the next one. Paul Fleming, a veteran of many briars. Mm-hmm. Uh we see him all the time. I love Paul Fleming. I, I love watching him curl. Slides with that old brownie broom. He's also, I think, like seven feet tall. Oh, really? Well, okay, no, I'm exaggerating. He's a big guy, but okay. um, it's hard to tell on TV sometimes because you never get them full shot with you know something as a reference. So that's it. And my favorite thing with him is they always talk about how you know Brad Gushu, Rachel Homan, whoever they're full time curlers or maybe they're full time parents or. They might have day jobs, but you know they really go in once a week, right? Where right. when they talk about Paul Fleming, they they keep pointing out that he uh, that he owns a, a fish and chips restaurant on the harbor in Halifax or something like that. And I'm going, that's so cool. That's like an authentic uh, <laughs> Canadian. Nova Scotian Canadian experience. I'm yeah. thinking if I'm ever there, I gotta go to uh, I gotta go find that restaurant. Is this uh, something you plan on doing sometime soon? A dream? Hey, I don't know. We can travel again, right? That's true. That's true. That's right. But I'm not a big fan of fish and chips, so. No, me neither, to be honest with you. <laughs> also, it's a vegetarian. Yeah, I know. Well, <laughs> there's that too. <laughs> I forgot. <laughs> but I would go in and be like, I'll have just the fries. And can I say hi to Paul Fleming? Can he sign my yeah. broom or something? Oh, take a picture. Yeah. And then Sean Grassy, uh, who I believe from Manitoba. Yeah, they're from the Deer Lodge Curling Club uh, from Winnipeg. Okay. And that rounds it out. All right. Well, we got a good mix. Mm-hmm. Let's see who I would pick. I'm definitely going Gunlickson. Me too. There's a lot of teams, unfortunately, I'm not too familiar with. Kind of debating, do I go with Howard or I'm going to go with Team Flash. Okay. Interesting pick. I I can't say no to Glenn Howard. I'm so going doing- for Well, so I'm doing Gunlickson and uh, Howard. Okay. With maybe like a dark horse pick of... Tanner Horgan. Okay. I don't know. Just like if he if he pulls it off, I just want a little bit of credit for throwing it out there is what I'm okay. getting at. Well, stay tuned uh, next week. Or actually, mm-hmm. yeah, depend- <laughs> maybe we have the results in two weeks depending on when the final is and when we decide to record. It's true. <laughs> By the time people are listening to this, it'll already be over. So we'll already be wrong. Yeah. So it's going to be really interesting. Uh, a lot of curling coming up for the next couple weeks. Uh, so I don't know how much of this I'll be able to watch, but I'll definitely be watching uh, the the finals, if not the playoffs. Mm-hmm. I think they're on TSN. Yeah, because some of us actually have day jobs that we have to do. Yeah, afraid so. Um, uh, so moving on from the trials, I do want to bring up one new thing that the W, really the WCF, I guess they're really bored over the summer and then just came up with a <laughs> whole bunch of new ideas to revamp curling. None of which was this Netflix special. At the last General Assembly, they've kind of come up with a new way to structure the whole World's Championships 
and how to get to the world championships. And again, I am not a fan of this. <laughs> I don't know if you <laughs> And I am not aware to... of this. So Oh, you have you haven't heard about this at all? Okay. I've I know about it. I saw um a listener got in touch with us to tell us about this, but I uh, kind of did not follow up. <laughs> I'm oh, glad okay. you did. I'll send you a link. Uh, actually, on the WCF website, uh, they have a like a press release, kind of explaining this and and the reasoning and how it's going to work and whatnot. So essentially, they want to help like promote curling across the world. And you know, there's definitely um, it's very difficult for new teams or new countries to get that experience and even get to play in a tournament that will give them that experience. The Europeans, they have a format where it kind of works, where you have the A, the B, and the C, and then all these European teams, they compete, and the top two, they have like a relegation system, right? So the top yeah. two of Group B will move up to A, and the bottom two of A will um, move down to B. I've always liked that. Yeah, and I, it's actually great. So Exactly, and it takes the geography out of the uh, context, right? Because really the only geographical thing is you have to be in Europe. And what yeah. we've also learned is that uh, the definition of Europe is a little bit more expansive than we thought in curling. <laughs> it's very, uh, yeah. So, but it's kind of good in the sense that like once you s you're a new country that started playing curling, you're going to be in group C and you're going to be playing with teams that are relatively in the same uh, playing level as, as you are. And then if your country just really develops curling and your players get good, then you go up to the B and then you're playing in that little higher level and then you can get to A where you're playing against Sweden and Switzerland and all these teams. Outside of Europe, there is no other tournament like that. Like there is the America's Championship where Canada and or the US has to play like Brazil for one of the two spots at the world. And then there's also a Pacific Asia Championship. So that's where you'll get like Japan plays Korea, China, um, Australia, New Zealand are in there as well. So the WCF essentially want to move away from this format. They want to keep the European championships as they are, okay. but then have a pan-continental championship for everyone else. Within that championship, you'd have five Asia t Asian teams and three American teams, and they would okay. all play. And they would also have that European uh, structure where you'll have an A group, a B group, and, and, and there's just not enough countries okay. to have a C group. But if there were, like, essentially they're taking the same structure of the European okay. and just applying For it to the, the rest, whole of, rest the world. of the world. Okay. Exactly. So you have Europe and rest of world. And the whole point was to get those other countries kind of more exposure to, to curling and get that experience. And I just don't see this working. And again, like the main thing is you have a geography problem. Yeah, that's going to be annoying to get to. <laughs> yeah. Like, what if you have a team from Africa, a team from Brazil and Korea? Like, that's literally the entire world. Yeah, that's a, a bit of a geographical challenge. That's one thing. And I think at that point, I just, I also don't understand why Europe is excluded just because they have so many countries within the same geographic well, proximity. But is this something to like go on at the same time as the Europeans? just to have like another tournament like that? Because what we're saying, we like the Europeans. Um, yeah. Is it like just to have that on the side and have like our own version of it? Yeah, but the winners of this is going to determine which teams go to the world championships. Okay, so how would that work? Like five from Europe, five from this pan-continental or something like that? 
how essentially how it's going to be structured is this pan continental event will qualify five teams to the world championships while the european curling championships will have seven guaranteed qualification places and proportional then, to like the number of countries in each tournament i, I, I assume okay. so and then there's going to be a 13th team that team will be determined by the aggregate performance of the top five teams from the previous year's world championship. The better performing zone oh, Kelly, will then receive their team <laughs> place. Like, <laughs> what is this? Oh, I, I that was so over my head. <laughs> <laughs> okay, and then I thought about it, and I'm like, at this point, if you really want to include everyone in the world, I mean, I love the European Championship, but... It makes no sense to me why we just have a Europeans and then the rest of world. At that point, I think you might as well turn the entire world into that ABC division. Your A division will be your world championship. But at the end of every world, take uh, the, the bottom two teams will be relegated down to the B division. And then you'll have separate world championships, but they'll just be like a B and a C. And then... Uh, the top two teams from that B will move to up to the A f- to compete in the Worlds the next year. I think that's a good idea. Um, I think the world should operate like that because one thing that did pop up here, and I will admit I did absolutely no research into this whatsoever, as usual. You're learning uh, this for the first time. I'm learning this for the first time pretty much. But one thing that I think probably upset people is that this could technically knock Canada out of a world championship. And yeah. But that could still technically happen if Brazil were to beat us in one of these challenge things, right? Exactly. But I also think that, you know, Canada is Canada and the U.S. are very much the dominant teams in North America. And a lot of the other dominant teams are in Europe. So outside of Canada and the, if you compare Canada to the rest of the world, there's like a big gap there. Not to say like Japan or South Korea, like the South Korea women's team had has had a lot of recent success, but there's a big gap between Canada and the rest of the world. And not to sound pretentious or anything, but it's kind of like annoying for Canada um, to then have to go and play this, which is I not suppose, any different than if they were just to have an American, Americana. I suppose, which is right? why, like, I get it. It's a little bit awkward to go and have to play against a country that, again, with respect, is not going to really yeah uh, knock you out especially because it's i think they do a best of three like if if a miracle happened maybe they take one game but they're not going to beat canada several times in a row but i just i like the idea of having the whole world championship be a european format and it means that it would be hard for canada to potentially stay in the top 10 or whatever it is and if they were to fall out my attitude is so be it we both love the europeans and it just makes me think of the euros so uh that's why i'm warm up to it a little bit yeah, and like that's I just have a hard time wrapping my head around why is the Europeans going to stay intact while the rest of the world has to play as one. I and mean, I wonder if there's a little bit of sponsorship money, political politics. That's interesting because what I'm thinking of is that if we had a, a, a tournament that mirrored the Europeans, like with the A section of, I don't know, maybe 10 teams in the A of Canada, the U.S., um, China, Japan, Korea, and so on, and Russia for sure. Uh, mm-hmm. Germany. Oh no, sorry, Europe. My bad. Actually, is Russia count as uh, Europe for this? Uh, Europe, okay, yeah. sorry. Yeah. So um, eventually, you start to reach, but then when you hit the B section, you'll have federations uh, with probably not as many resources. 
and I'm just going to make something up here. Like we could, or let's, let's go really extreme. Let's say the C and I apologize mm-hmm. to these countries in advance, but we have like Mexico, New Zealand, New Zealand's been around before, but we have countries with very unknown curling federations from all over the world, literally to get them all together in Rio de Janeiro, <laughs> just making something <laughs> up to get them all somewhere. That's a lot of resources, a lot of money uh, for federations yeah. that probably don't have it. So mm-hmm. maybe I'm just making this up here. This could be totally wrong, but maybe I'm onto something here. Maybe it's part of the, okay, you want your curling federation? Well, you've got to fly over to here for your championship. Because I feel like right. a lot of countries are just declaring interest in curling. They really don't have much interest in it. They just see it as a way to eventually get an Olympic medal because to everybody who has not done this, this looks easy. Mm-hmm. Um, so maybe it's just a way of have, forcing them to put their money where their mouth is. But what do I know? I don't know. Yeah, I don't know. I mean, I get it from the WCF's point of view. Like they, Their role in all of this is to promote curling across the world and they have to find ways in, uh, to be able to do that. But I don't know. I'm, just, I'm not sold on this uh, right now. No. But also... And this will move forward for the 2022-23 season, so next year. How is Canada going to handle this? Because right now, our Briar and our Scotties happen a couple weeks prior to the World Championship. But this event might ha- will happen in the fall. What, who's going to represent Canada at that championship? Is it going to be the same team that will represent Canada at the World? I and wonder. if so, when do we select them? If that's the case, and they'd have to be selected a year ahead of time... And, you know, we're not a fan of that, of selecting a team a year ahead of time because so much can change within a year, right? Yeah, there'd be a lot of things to figure out. One of the main reasons we have our national championships right before the Worlds is that the team that wins will be hot and fresh and ready to and get us that gold. But then if it's a different team that has to go and represent Canada at this Pan-Olymp- uh, pan-continental championships, kind of sucks because you're like... I got Canada the spot to go into the world. Yeah, I don't get to represent Canada in that spot. I suppose. But that's just a purely like a selfish Canadian-centric point. Yeah, of view and here. what I what I'm yeah, trying that's to our problem to deal with. That's it. And what I'm trying to do, not just to shamelessly grow our audience around the world, uh, but <laughs> is that I don't really like. I I get a sense of entitlement from uh, from Canadian Canadians? curling every oh, now sure. and then of like, well, we automatically deserve to be in the world championship. We're the best country in the world, and we are in terms mm-hmm. of numbers. No one's going to argue that. But I, for one, enjoy seeing the other countries catch up. And I think anything that ultimately, anything that's healthy. And they are. And it's good. And anything that's healthy for the sport around the world, go for it. And if it forces Canada to, oh, no, we have to have another tournament to decide this. Well, you know what? We can deal with that. Yeah. I mean, we've got so much going for us in curling. I have other curling concerns in this country. But when it comes to competitive curling, eh, I don't know. I have a hard time getting upset about this. I think for me, like the the one issue is just like I don't understand why the world, the the Europeans is staying the Europeans and everyone else has to play as one. Like either keep it continental base and that way you'll always make sure that you'll have a representative, um, a proportional amount of teams from set, uh, each part of the world as opposed to set number of European teams and then the rest of the world. Mm-hmm. That's just my thing. Yeah. So. I was like, I would favor just abolishing all of these continental championships and just make the whole world as a relegated division. I guess that's it for, for this week's episode. That's all I have. I don't know if you have any other final thoughts, Rob. 
not really. Uh, it'll be fun to watch the pre-trials. And, uh, no, it'll be interesting. First time I'm watching Curling on TV this season. so Which you still have to do with cable. You can't do on Netflix yet. So, so uh, catch us next week. Bye. Take care. Thank you.